African page, the African History Network, the African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Welcome to the African History Network show. It is Monday, January 3rd, 2022, and we are live. Happy New Year to everybody, and happy Kwanzaa as well. We know Kwanzaa ended uh, on January 1st, uh, December 26th through January the 1st. I want to thank everybody who came out to the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History for the seven days of Kwanzaa. And I was the keynote speaker for the Kwanzaa celebration on Monday, uh, December 27th, uh, organized by the Malcolm X grassroots movement at the uh, Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. So we know this year's um, celebration was a little different because of COVID and uh, probably more people watched online than actually came out, but thanks to everybody who came out as well. So uh, we have a lot to talk about. This is our first broadcast of the year, and I haven't been live on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation WFDF since uh, I think last, I think Tuesday, December 28th. I think that was our last broadcast, our last live broadcast. So um, there's a story that I, I wanted to talk about, and we did not get a chance uh, to do this before. We went off the air for the holiday break. But a lot of people have heard of the uh, celebration, the cultural celebration of John Canoe, John Canoe, or John Canoe. It's actually pronounced John Canoe. A lot of people have heard about this, and they may know it's related to uh, African slaves or maybe related to the Igbo of um, Nigeria, but they may not know a lot about John Canoe. There was a uh, a really good article from the Washington Post, and I looked at some other sources on this, like uh, Pulse.ng uh, and then also FaceToFaceAfrica.com, dealing with John Canoe, the holiday when black revelers could mock their enslavers. And it has its roots. Uh, John Canoe originated in Jamaica in the late 1600s, and it has its roots and traditions coming from the Igbo, of Nigeria. So we're going to talk some uh, about uh, John Canoe and deal with uh, some of this history. And then we'll uh, also talk about uh, the news we got on December 31st that uh, veteran actress of uh, movies and TV shows, uh, Betty White, passed away at age 99. Betty White passed away at age 99 on, on uh, New Year's Eve. Okay, so this was shocking news. Uh, she was just about three weeks away from uh, turning uh, 100 years old. Okay, so we're going to talk about Betty White. But uh, so there were, I, I saw some stories on uh, NBC News about Betty White. It, we'll deal with, uh, I'm going to let you hear um, a uh, piece from NBC News on her. But there's a particular um, piece that I want to look at. There was an article from the Washington Post on Betty White that dealt with uh, her TV show back in the 1950s. And th this dealt with um, the African-American entertainer, Arthur Duncan. And it, it, uh, there was an article from uh, the Washington Post, uh, Live With It, Betty White Defied Racist Demands in 1954. OK, and this dealt with uh, when she had her uh, TV show in the 1950s and how 
um, the affiliates in the South, how they complained about uh, Arthur Duncan, who was an African-American entertainer. He was a, he was a tap dancer. And they, they complained about his presence on the show. And Betty White said, live with it and gave Arthur Duncan more airtime. She didn't cave in to the to the white supremacist segregationists in the South. There's, a, there's an article from the Washington Post dealing with this, live with it. Betty White defied racist demands in 1954. We're gonna talk some about that and talk a little bit about Betty White. Then, so that was December 31st, we got the news about Betty White. Everybody remembers her from the Golden Girls. Some of us remember her. Some of us are old enough to remember her as, um, uh, 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 on um, the uh, Mary Tyler Moore show as well. Okay, I remember her on the Mary Tyler Moore show uh, as Sue Ann Nivens. And, and it was interesting. See, I remember her from the Mary Tyler Moore show. She was a nymphomaniac on the show. Now, on NBC News, when they did the segment on it, they say her character was a nymphomaniac. <laughs> I, I remember that, okay. Just over the years, I didn't know what that was when I was a kid watching the Mary Tyler Moore show in the 1970s, but I remember that, you know, finding that out later. So, so then January 1st, New Year's Day, and uh, once again, Happy New Year's to everybody. Happy New Year to everybody. Um, then we got this. Uh, so I was on Facebook uh, and Instagram, but I was on Facebook on New Year's Day. And I saw that it was Max Julian's birthday. Okay, so a lot of people remember Max Julian from the 1973 movie, The Mac. So I saw it was his birthday. Okay, this was in the morning. Then later in the day, then I saw from TMZ that Max Julian had passed away. And I said, wait a second, isn't, this, isn't today Max Julian's birthday? So Max Julian, uh, who's best known as the Mac, but that's not the only thing that he did, okay? Um, he passed away on his birthday, January 1st. He was 88 years old. OK, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Max Julian and it, there was some information about him that a lot of people did not know. He, he helped to write the uh, screenplay for the movie Cleopatra Jones. All right. Uh, a lot of people just know him as as the Mac. And then we remember him also from uh, How to Be a Player as well. Remember from How to Be a Player also. But he was he was, uh, you know, with um, Bill Bellamy. OK. Remember him from How to Be a Player, but he was he was much more than just those um, maybe the stereotypical roles that um, he's known for. Also, so we'll talk a little bit about Max Julian as well. Okay, all right. Now on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, it's correct your own behavior, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can uh, register for the online history classes I teach uh, on the weekend. Uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. And then also from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 
1865 to 1968. Okay, so we do those on Saturdays and Sundays. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for them. We have a special bundle pack for a very limited time only. You can register for both classes for only $70. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch it anytime. All right, uh, I want to jump into this first story here dealing with John Canoe. And as soon as you register for the classes, you can watch the classes uh, we did this past weekend also. So the Washington Post had a good article on John Canoe. And there was also one that I, I posted a few months ago from uh, Pulse.ng uh, that deals with, did you know did, did you know about the Igbo people of Jamaica? Did you know about the Igbo people of Jamaica? But this piece here from the Washington Post, John Canoe, the holiday when black revelers could mock their enslavers, okay? And now here is a, uh, a, a depiction here, an illustration, this 1857 illustration from Frank Leslie's illustrated newspaper depicts a Christmas celebration among enslaved Africans on a plantation, okay? And you see the white people in the back smiling and things like this. I wouldn't be surprised if some African-Americans on the plantation were planning to run away also, because that's one of the periods of time uh, on, on different plantations when, when we were run away because a lot of white people would be drunk. OK. And uh, by the time they realize that you're gone, you know, it could be a couple of days or so. Now, uh, the article starts out and this is a piece written by uh, uh, Gillian Brockell. Uh, Edward Warren was a young, young doctor in the early 1850s when he first witnessed it, John Canute. Later in life, he described what he saw at Christmas time among the enslaved people at Somerset Place, one of the largest plantations in North Carolina. On Christmas day, he wrote, one of the enslaved men uh, dressed up in a costume made of rags, uh, made of rags, cowbells, two great ox horns affixed to his head and a mask of raccoon skin over his face. Another wore his Sunday best. Another enslaved African wore his Sunday best. Best Others beat drums and played banjos while two men entered upon a dance of the most extraordinary character. We're going to talk about this on the other side of the break and deal with John Canoe and how it relates to African history and culture. You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. iRedify is a Black-owned digital platform that showcases Black and Brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read e-books, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Soul in Motion, celebrating 38 years in the arts. This energetic ensemble of dancers and drummers was started by percussionist Michael Friend and is led by choreographer, associate director Pam Lassiter. Based in the Washington, D.C. area, Soul in Motion is now accepting bookings for Black History Month, Juneteenth, and summer festivals in 2022. Soul in Motion is also available for more intimate events, like naming ceremonies and weddings. To 
find out more or book your date, call 240-452-1349 or send an email to info at soulinmotion.org. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Soul in Motion, celebrating our history, our culture, our future. Soul in Motion, theater, African dance, and drumming since 1984. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Monday, January 3rd, 2022, and we are live. So happy New Year to everybody. Happy Kwanzaa as well. We know Kwanzaa ended January 1st. But uh, the, principle, the concept of the Nguzu Saba, the reason why it's from December 26th through January the 1st, is that we, so we take those seven principles of the Nguzu Saba into the new year and practice them all year long, okay? Um, so this is uh, imp- uh, this is extremely important. So we're not, it's not designed to be super black for seven days and then be brain damaged the rest of the year. All right. Um, I want to go uh, back to the uh, article here dealing with John Canoe. This is a good piece from the Washington Post. Uh, also, face-to-faceafrica.com has an article I'm going to reference here in just a minute as well. So uh, this article deals with a young doctor in the early 1850s named Edward Warren, who uh, witnessed the celebration of John Canoe uh, during Christmas time on a uh, slave plantation in North Carolina. Uh, Edward Warren said, I was convinced from the fir- from the first that it was a foreign origin, he wrote, based on some festive ceremony which the Negroes had inherit had inherited from their African ancestors, end quote. Not exactly. Though John Canoe pronounced John Canoe, like a canoe that you like a little boat, a canoe. Though John Canoe was a folk custom practiced by enslaved Africans and their descendants, it's likely to have originated in Jamaica in the late 1600s, according to historian Robert E. May, author of the book, Yuletide and Dixie, Slavery, Christmas, and Southern Memory. Yuletide and Dixie, Slavery, Christmas, and Southern Memory. Now from there, it spread, um, from, from there it spread to, uh, to much of the Caribbean and really came to its own in coastal North Carolina uh, in the decades before the Civil War, um, Robert E. May told the Washington Post. Now, when we deal with in Jamaica, you have to understand, okay, so you're going to have Africans who are taken into Jamaica. And when Africans go into these areas, Jamaica, Hispaniola, we just talked about Hispaniola in my class on Sunday, La, uh, uh, La Hispaniola, um, and on the western third of the uh, island of Hispaniola that Columbus conquers in 1492. He conquers the island of Hispaniola in 1492. The western third is where you had the colony of St. Dominique 
and they have the revolution in 1791 and the Haitians declare their independence January 1st, 1804. So January 1st was the anniversary of, of, of Haitian independence as well. So this is where you have the island of Haiti, the Western third, and the other portion is the Dominican Republic. But when Africans go into these, these areas they're taken in and then enslaved, they're, they're taking their traditions with them and their traditions are being infused into largely being infused into whatever system is being put on them, whatever religion is being put on them, whatever practices uh, are they're taught to practice. They are infusing aspects of Africa into those practices. Even the banjo is an, is an African instrument. So we associate the banjo with, um, with uh, country music, we associate well. The country music is origins of country music is African as well and African American, but we we associate the banjo. Um, as a kid growing up in 1970s, we saw the TV show Hee Haw, right? And is a is a country show, a country music show Hee Haw. Um, but when we look at the origins of uh, the banjo, and it is some info I have on this as well. And uh, I'm going to try to pull something up quickly here. But the origins of the banjo are African as well. There was the. Um, yeah, I think this is it right here from NPR.org. Also, Britannica.com has some information. I could use Britannica because I pay Britannica each month a subscription. I have subscriptions to everything. National Geographic, Britannica, New York Times, Washington Post, Bloomberg. I pay all these people to, to, to access all this information. Uh, so I could use, uh, could get some usage out of my Britannica.com uh, 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 subscription. But the banjo's roots reconsidered. The banjo's roots reconsidered. Now, this is an article from August 23rd, 2011 from NPR.org, National Public Radio. Now, this this is a um, an, an African instrument that they say may be the precursor to the banjo. But when you do more research on this, right, they do, um, they talk about this precursor to the banjo being an African instrument. And uh, this article here says the, um, it talks about a brother named Daniel Jata. Uh, he said, my father was born with this instrument. Daniel Jata says, this is part of our history. Uh, Jata is from Gambia, a member of the Joe people he's holding a uh a conting yeah that's what it is and a conting a three-stringed instrument with a long neck and a body made from a calabash gourd with a goat skin stretched over it jata's father and cousins played the instrument but he didn't think much of it uh he didn't think much about it himself until 1974 when he was visiting the u.s from gambia attending a junior college in South Carolina. He recalls watching a football game on TV with some of the other students. Jata said when the football ended, there was this music program from Tennessee and they called it country music. He said, I watched the program and saw the modern banjo being used. And the sound, he said, and the sound just sounded like my father's a content. Now that experience put Jata 
together on a journey to explore the banjo's connections with the instrument he grew up with. The banjo came to America with African slaves and musicologists have long looked in West Africa for its predecessors. Much of the speculation has centered on the, in, the Ngoni, N-G-O-N-I, and the Exalam, X-A-L-A-M, which uh, these two instruments are two hide covered stringed instruments, two hide, H-I-D-E, hide covered stringed instruments from West Africa that bear some resemblance to the banjo. But they're just two of more than 60 similar plucked stringed instruments found in the region of West Africa. They're just two of more than 60 similar plucked stringed instruments found in the region of West Africa. Now, over the next two decades, while he pursued undergraduate and graduate degrees in the U.S., Jot learned everything he could about the origins of the banjo. Eventually, he reached a conclusion. He said, quote, among all instruments ever mentioned as a prototype of the banjo from the African region, the Akanting, to me, has more similarities, more objective similarities than any other that has ever been mentioned, end quote. For one thing, the Akanting looks like a, it has a long neck like those of early banjos, extends through the instrument's gourd body. It has a movable wooden bridge that, as in banjos, holds the, holds the strings over the skinhead. But for Jata and other banjo scholars, most convincing is how the accounting is played. Players use the index finger to strike down on one of the long strings and the thumb sound and the thumb sounds the accounting's short string as the hand moves back upward. When Jata looked at early banjo instruction books from the mid 1800s, he found that they described an almost identical playing style. He said, what struck me was when they mentioned the ball of the thumb and the nail of the index or middle finger. I knew straight away my father was using the same style. This was never a surprise to me because I have seen this since I was five years old. Read the rest of this article here. See, what we have to understand is that when African people go into various areas, go into whether they're captured or whether they go uh, voluntarily, when, when African people have circumnavigated the globe, we take our culture with us and practice it to various extents that conditions will allow. So see, what we've been led to believe is that when Africans were enslaved, they forgot everything they knew. That's a lie. A lot of this gets infused into the European culture that was put upon them. So now what we have to do is separate the Africanity from the nonsense.
and trace this back to who we are, trace this back to Africa so we can remember just as the 14 pieces of Asar's body were dismembered and Aset recovered the 13 pieces and remembered them and, and, and Asar was resurrected. We have to do the same thing. You listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese because again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. It stops for the ghost LOXD block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWillie.com. Kwanzaa is coming and the KwanzaaShop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs. Order your Kwanzaa set today, which includes a Kanara, candles, a mat, a cup, the African American flag, and a basket. Visit the KwanzaaShop.com, the KwanzaaShop.com. They have Kanara sets, which include a candle holder, candles, a mat, and a cup. Kwanzaa is December 26th through January the 1st. Add the early bird discount code for 10% off your order placed before November 28th. Visit the KwanzaaShop.com and place your order today. The KwanzaaShop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs to celebrate this African-American Pan-African holiday. The KwanzaaShop.com Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Monday, January 3rd, 2022, and we are live. Happy New Year to everybody. Call the numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Okay, uh, I want to go back to... We're going to go back to the story here. Then we're going to uh, deal with this piece here dealing with Betty White passing away at 99 very quickly. And uh, we'll talk about the story from the Washington Post when Betty White stood up, uh, defied racist demands in 1954. And that dealt with the African-American entertainer Arthur Duncan appearing on Betty White's TV show in the 1950s. All right. And then we'll talk some about Max Julian passing away. Uh, as well, the Mac passed away at uh, on his birthday. And when I first heard the story, I don't know the cause of death. I first heard the story, he passed away on his birthday because I'm like, okay, did he have some women over to the house or something? <laughs> what happened? I'm like, what? he died on his birthday. I'm like, so, all right, we'll talk about this as well. Okay, let's go back to this story. So right before the break, we were dealing with the African, we were talking about John Canoe, which is a... Um, a celebration with roots in Jamaica uh, coming from the Igbo of West Africa, Igbo of Nigeria. And this was a, uh, a celebration around Christmas time 
where enslaved Africans could mock their enslavers. And then we started talking about the African origins of the, of the banjo and in country music has African origins as well. Now, white people took over country music, just like a lot of other things. But um, <laughs> country music has its, has its origins. It, you know, that was African music. You know, just like uh, Big Mama Thornton sung uh, Hound Dog before Elvis Presley. All right. That was that was Big Mama Thornton that sung that. Elvis Presley uh, sung the song after her. Pat Boone did a cover of Tutti Frutti uh, that Little Richard made famous. Okay, I don't, I don't think Little Richard asked Pat Boone to cover his song. Pat Boone sounded crazy singing Tutti Frutti. But anyway, okay, so read this article here from uh, NPR.org, National Public Radio. The Banjo's Roots Reconsidered. Okay, let's go back to this uh, article here on John Canoe. So, uh, all right. So John Canute, uh, um, Edward Warren, the uh, doctor, Edward Warren in the 1850s witnessed John Canoe and Robert E. May, uh, author of Yuletide and Dixie, Slavery, Christmas and Southern Memory, uh, spoke to the Washington Post and said from uh, Jamaica, John Canoe spread to much of the Caribbean and really came into its own in coastal North Carolina in the decades before the Civil War, which was 1861 to 1865, when the Civil War is. So be sure to register for the online course I teach on Saturdays from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Now, Robert E. May, the author Robert E. May said, quote, it was a male parade, female sometimes came along, but they were never the paraders and the parades occurred on plantations, slave plantations and in towns and cities. Uh, uh, end quote, either on Christmas or the day after Christmas, uh, they tended to go from place to place, picking up a bigger crowd as they marched. Now that included going to the homes of white uh, slave owners or white enslavers, white clergy and other townspeople where they would, quote unquote, raise a ruckus, raise a ruckus until they were given money or gifts to leave. Now, uh, close observers of Christmas history may recognize similarities to English peasants, wassailing and mummers nights. OK, and in and, and Carolyn and going to uh, from house to house, Carolyn. All right. So there's some similarities between that as well. Now, the revelers played. Uh, instruments, drums, violins, banjos, tambourines, and the like, and dressed in costumes that white observers sometimes describe as grotesque. Intimidation and mocking of white people was uh, was one element of the parade, okay? Robert E. May said, one of the costumed revelers would carry a whip and threaten children with it, another would dress in a suit and tri-cornered or top hat and act out unflattering depictions of their enslavers, act out unflattering depictions of their enslavers. Now this reminds me of the cakewalk dance because the cakewalk 
has its origins in slavery. And it was a dance where um, uh, enslaved Africans would mock the, the white people that owned them. Cakewalk. Uh, there was an article from blackben.com and also uh, one from slate.com. So we'll look at this here. This is first, uh, we'll go to this here. Uh, uh, blackden.com has one also, but this one here came up from um, slate.com. And if we look at this piece here, April 3rd, 2003, where do cakewalks uh, come from? Where do cakewalks come from? All right. Um, the cakewalk was originally a 19th century dance invented by African-Americans in the antebellum South, antebellum meaning before the Civil War, antebellum South. It was intended to satirize the stiff ballroom promenades of white plantation owners. What they were saying was these white people didn't have rhythm and couldn't dance. That's what they were saying. So African slaves on the plantations were making fun of the white people, okay, who who were trying to dance and had no rhythm, couldn't dance. That's what they, that's, so they created the cakewalk dance to imitate white people. It was intended to satirize the stiff ballroom promenades of white plantation owners who favored the rigidly formal dances of European high society. Cakewalking, cakewalking slaves lampooned these stuffy moves by over, over accentuating their high kicks, bows, and bows, bows, uh, and imaginary hat doffings, mixing the cartoonish gestures together with traditional African steps. See, once again, that Africanity is coming into play. Okay. This is why this is see this is this is why I have to I'm confused by people who keep running away from Africa saying we're not African. That means you don't know who you are. Really? The, the, we're the only people to run away from who we are. Other people don't do that. Other people hundreds of years later still say they're German. Let me say they're German American, Italian, Irish, things like that. We're the only people who run away from who we are. And, and this is the same thing, like, like I said, somebody called into the show a couple of weeks ago, said they're descendants of slaves. I said, weren't the slaves free? Child of slavery ended 156 years ago, 157 years ago now. It's 2022. I said, even after slavery ended, they weren't still calling themselves slaves. They were freedmen, black freedmen, former slaves, ex-slaves. But anyway, likely unaware of the dance's derisive roots, the whites often invited their slaves to participate in Sunday contests to determine which dancers were most elegant and inventive. The winners would receive, would receive cake slices. The winners would receive cake slices, a prize which gave birth to the dancer's familiar name, the cake, the, the cakewalk. Okay, but it was a, it was a dance mocking the, the white people who owned them. All right, and they got. They got cake for it. Now, after emancipation, okay, now we know, so I'm not, when they say emancipation, I'm not sure if they're talking about after the 13th Amendment was ratified, December 6, 1865, when Georgia ratified the 13th Amendment, or if they're talking about the Emancipation Proclamation, January 1st, 1863, that did not free the, the African slaves, because when you go to LOC.gov, Library of Congress website, and read it, or if you go to archives.gov and read it, 
it tells you that the the slaves in the states of rebellion or the territories of rebellion are free, but the, the the slaves in the border states like Maryland, Missouri, Kentucky, and Delaware, and these are states that state loyal to the Union, they were allowed to keep their slaves. Okay, these were states that were um south of the Mason Dixon line. The Mason Dixon line uh is the line that separates uh uh the imaginary line between Pennsylvania and Maryland, which separates the north from the south. Okay. So the Confederacy separates from the Union, starting with South Carolina, December 20, December 20th, 1860, when South Carolina becomes the first state to secede from the Union. They set up their own government, their own monetary system. So the Union has no authority to, 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 to tell the Confederacy anything. So the Union has no authority to say that the slaves that belong to the Confederacy are free. They had no authority. Okay. Really it was a, it was a military strategy to rob the Confederacy of its most valuable asset, the enslaved Africans. And it was a threat to bring them, uh, to, 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 to bring those states in rebellion, those territories in rebellion back into the union. The initial emancipation proclamation was September 22nd, 1862. And it was an ultimatum. If, these areas don't come back into the union by January 1st, 1863, the slaves are going to be free because the, because the reason the civil war was fought was not to free the Af not to free the African slaves. It was, it was fought to bring the South back into the union. The emancipation proclamation changed the purpose and the course of the civil war. So it's, then after that, then the focus is like, okay, on, on freeing the slaves. All right. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. We'll talk some about Betty White, and uh, Max Julian, the Mac, both passing away. Uh, Betty White, uh, December 31st, Christmas Eve, uh, New Year's Eve, and Max Julian on uh, New Year's Day, passed away on his birthday on New Year's Day. Listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. iRedify is a Black-owned digital platform that showcases Black and Brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read eBooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Come and travel with me to a time long ago and place far away. You will experience high adventure and excitement. You are fighting alongside an ancient army in fierce battle. Feel the exhilaration of struggle and final conquest. My name is Maninkare and I am both a prince and a priest in one of the most advanced civilizations humans have ever produced. I want you to ride with me in my chariot as I slay the barbarians who have come to invade my land. I invite you to sit at the conference table with the great Pharaoh Tahaka and his ministers as they plan intrigue and use subterfuge to outmaneuver and defeat the enemy. Come back with me to the land of your ancestors, to the beautiful land of Kemet. So open the pages of this book and begin the adventure. 
Find out what happens in the book Menenkere Battles the Assyrians in the Nile Valley from author Makari Jones. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Monday, January 3rd, 2022, and we are live. If you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network. Dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App. S-H-O-W, when you go to it, it show it to say Michael and show my picture there. These other ones here are fake African History Network Cash App accounts. Okay, so right before the break, uh, we were talking uh, some about John Canoe. We were talking about the cakewalk dance and um, how it was a dance uh, that African slaves on the plantation here in the U.S. Uh, did to mock uh, white people and, and their white slave owners. Um, we may talk some. We'll probably talk some more about talk more about John Canoe uh, on tomorrow's show. Um, so check out this piece here from the Washington Post. Um, John Canoe the holiday when black revelers could mock their enslavers. Okay. Uh, I want to go to switch gears here and uh, talk some about Betty White. Okay. Um, actress Betty White passed away on New Year's Eve. And I was watching some of uh, Saturday Night Live. They uh, re-aired the broadcast from a few years ago when she uh, uh, co-host, when she guest hosted. Um. There's a piece from the Washington Post, Live With It, Betty White Defied Racist Demands in 1954, okay? Uh, I want to go to uh, this clip here from uh, NBC News dealing with the passing of Betty White. Let's go to clip one, uh, Jalen. I hate to have to, to do this, but we have sad breaking news from Hollywood. The Associated Press is reporting that legendary actress Betty White has died at the age of 99. She was the longest running woman on television, but there was so much more than television. She began her career on the radio in the 1940s, then TV in the 1950s, starring in more shows than I have fingers on my hands. Her most famous show, Rose Nyland, on the Golden Girls, which ran on NBC from 1985 to 1992. Then there were the movies, so many movies. Just the other day, her proposal co-star, Ryan Reynolds, joked that he was still holding out for her, ready for Betty White to give up her crush on Robert Redford for him. She was beloved and only weeks away from her, her 100th birthday, which was on January 17th. So let us take a moment to celebrate the remarkable life and career of Betty White. Here's NBC's Miguel Almaguer. May 8, 2010, Betty White making history at the age of 88, becoming the oldest person to host Saturday Night Live. This actor, half a million people on Facebook, petitioned the show to give her a shot at hosting. When I first heard about the campaign to get me to host Saturday Night Live, I didn't know what Facebook was. <laughs> and now that I do know what it is, I have to say, it sounds like a huge waste of time. Betty White, born in the Chicago suburb of Oak Park, Illinois, certainly never wasted her time. In the 1940s, fresh out of high school, she began working in radio, appearing on such shows as NBC's The Great Gildersleeve. 
Merry Christmas, Mr. Gildersleeve. I didn't go to college. I just uh, went into show business, so it, I just enjoyed it. She was on television from the very beginnings of TV. In 1952, co-producing her own comedy show, Life with Elizabeth. What's so terrible about spiders? Tell him, honey. They go doing. On the Betty White Show in 1958, she revealed another talent, singing. But she is best known for two signature TV roles. Sue Ann Nevins, the happy homemaker on the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Surely that isn't how a strawberry swirl is supposed to work. <laughs> Thank you. And Rose Nyland on The Golden Girls. When I was growing up in Minnesota, the doctor made house calls all the time. For us and the livestock. <laughs> you and the animals had the same doctor? Sure. Worked out fine. Until the doctor started drinking hog liniment and tried to neuter the Swenson brothers. There's an awful lot of Betty and Rose that scares me to death. Twice divorced, she finally found the love of her life in game show host Alden Ludden. Is Alden Ludden saying the password tonight is... Home. Will you take me home, please, Mr. Ludden? I certainly will, Mr. Ludden. Thank you. They were husband and wife until his death from cancer in 1981. She never remarried. As far as a serious relationship, I just couldn't imagine it, you know, at this point in my life. There you go. There you go, sweetheart. Here you go. During her spare time, Betty White was a tireless advocate for the humane treatment of animals, serving with animal-related charities and on the board of the Los Angeles Zoo. We're such a throwaway society. We treat even our animals like paper towels. You know, mm -hmm. take one if it doesn't work out, just throw it away. White's own career seemed to have remarkable staying power as a new generation of fans loved her in films like The Proposal. Let's see if we can find your boobs. They're in there somewhere. <laughs> there. It's like an Easter egg. <laughs> Well into her 80s, White showed no sign of slowing down with appearances on late-night comedy shows and commercial work. You're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. For all of her accomplishments, the Screen Actors Guild presented Betty White with its Lifetime Achievement Award in 2010. This is the highest point of my entire professional life. To the Screen Actors Guild, to each and every one of you, Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. A life in which Betty White garnered countless honors, fans, and friends. Thank you for being here, NBC News, Los Angeles. Oh man, 2021 just keeps getting worse. Uh, but listen to this. Her longtime friend and agent said, even though Betty White was about to be 100, I thought she would live forever. He told this to People magazine. He said this on Friday uh, in a statement about her death. He says, I will miss her terribly, and so will the animal world that she loves so much. I don't think Betty ever feared passing because she always wanted to be with her most beloved husband, Alan Ludden. She believed she would be with him again. Let us hope that they are reunited. Okay, so that was uh, from NBC News. I watched that live. Um, in a minute here, we're going to talk about the passing of Max Julian the Mac, but I want to go to this um, article here first from the Washington Post. 
This deals with in, in 1954 uh, when Betty White defied racism. And this was over the African-American entertainer, you Arthur just, Duncan, who uh, appeared on uh, Betty White's TV show. Now, those watching on Facebook, those listening on that, on Superstation WFDF, we're out of time here. Um, watch us on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. We're going to keep going for a few more minutes. We'll talk about this, and we'll talk about the Mac as well. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Register for the online courses I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, and uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. We have a special bundle pack for a limited time only. You can register for both classes for only $70. If you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, Dr. King Day is coming up. African American History Month is coming up. Juneteenth will be here before you know it. Email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. Or give me a call, 313-462-0003, 313-462-0003. We can make that happen. Right now, it's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right, stand by. Okay, let's go uh, to this here. And, okay, African-American business owners, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Email us at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network. Current promotion for a very, li very limited time only is uh, buy one month, get two months free. Uh, that's going to change here any day now. That promotion is going to end. All right. I, I want to go to this uh, story here. And I, I heard about this when they talked about... Um, Passing the Betty White. Now, also the TV, the, the radio show, The Great Gildersleeve, that she was on. I didn't know she was on The Great Gildersleeve. I've listened to numerous. I've, I've probably listened to all the episodes of The Great Gildersleeve, which was a spinoff of Fibber McGee and Molly, another old radio show. Jim and Mary and Jordan um, portrayed Fibber McGee and Molly. They were a married couple. That radio show goes back to the 40s and 50s, maybe the late 30s. But I'm an old radio show uh, fan, so all those radio shows I've listened to, I listened to. Uh, the great Gildersleeve, but I didn't know um, uh, she was on the, on that show. So live with it. Betty White defied racist demands in 1954. Okay. And uh, this is a picture here of um, Arthur Duncan in 2018, African-American entertainer. He was a tap dancer, also Arthur Duncan. So um, Betty White asked Arthur Duncan, the question, Arthur, did you have a nice weekend? Uh, the entertainer in her early 30s at the time uh, was center stage speaking to the young African-American tap dancer seated on her right. Now, uh, he said, I did. He, he said, I did something a little different. Uh, Arthur Duncan told Betty White. He said, I rehearsed with a choral group that's going to do Christmas carols this Christmas. Uh, Betty White replied, oh, wonderful. Are you going to go house to house? Now, his reply to her that they would be performing at local hospitals and orphanages was as wholesome as the beloved uh, actress and entertainer who passed away at age 99 this week, um, December 31st.
Now, Betty White made a career playing sweet characters with hidden and hilarious grit. And that quality goes all the way back to her first televised variety TV show. Her first televised variety TV show, whereas the host and producer of the show, Betty White defied racist demands to get rid of, of Arthur Duncan, who is an African-American entertainer who appeared on her show, a male African-American male entertainer. Her response was live with it, quote unquote, live with it. Now, this was in 1954. This was even before the Montgomery bus boycott. This was in 1954 as uh as in the year the Supreme Court handed down Brown versus Board of Education decision banning segregated schools. And also one year before the Montgomery bus boycott started December 5th, 1955, Monday morning, December 5th, 1955. And um, you also have a Little Rock Nine in the Greensboro, uh, 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 North Carolina, Lunch County City. And this is before that as well. Now, television was still an, a new medium. Everybody didn't have TVs in the home in uh, 1954, okay? Television was still a new medium, but Betty White was already a veteran performer of stage and radio. She had acted on a sitcom and had co-hosted a Los Angeles daytime talk show. So on her nationally televised The Betty White Show, she sang, interviewed guests, performed in skits, and read the uh, commercials live. There was even a regular children's uh, section. Okay, there was even a regular children's section. All right, and let me see here, just a second here. Okay, now, and then you had Arthur Duncan. Now, at 21 uh, years old, the California native had, be, had uh, been performing in dance quartet, in a dance quartet for years and was looking for his big break. Now, Betty White gave Arthur Duncan his big break. He recounted in a 2018 documentary, Betty White, the first lady of television. Betty White, the first lady of television. All right. Now, um, Arthur Duncan said the first TV show I ever I had ever been on and I credited Betty White for really getting me started in show business in television, Arthur Duncan said. And they have a clip here from um, the Betty White show from 1954. Arthur, du Arthur Duncan said, and all through the South, there was this whole ruckus. Uh, I'm sorry, Betty White remembered in the documentary. She, Betty White said, and all through the South, there was this whole ruckus. They were going to take our show off the air if we didn't get rid of Arthur Duncan because he was black. They were going to take the show, her show off the air if she did not get rid of Arthur Duncan. Now, this, now, when you go study Nat King Cole, Nat King Cole had his own variety TV show, but it didn't last long because he had a problem getting sponsors for the show because he was black. He was African-American. So I remember seeing clips of the Nat King Cole show it was in black and white didn't last long very hard for him to get sponsors quote people in the south resented me being on the show and they wanted me thrown out Arthur Duncan agreed 
but there was never a question at all. Quote, I'm sorry, he said, uh, I, I said, I'm sorry, but you know, he stays, uh, Betty White said, live with it. Now, Arthur Duncan appeared on the Betty White show at least three times. On another episode, Betty White interviewed an African-American child du during uh, the children's segment, the children's segment on the show. It's unclear whether her decision to keep Arthur Duncan uh, on the show affected the show's fate, but it was repeatedly rescheduled. Her show was repeatedly rescheduled for different time slots before quietly being taken off the air that same year. Now, this is this is a trick that they use to kill kill a TV show because people uh, are accustomed to tune in to a TV show at a certain time. OK, like Thursday nights, 8 p.m. We know people watch the Cosby show. And then 830, they watch Family Ties. Then when a different world came on, when the different world debuted, uh, different world got family ties time slot okay so you know tv viewing back back at this time they had they didn't have vcrs no cable tv viewing is based upon habits so when they want to kill a tv show they just keep moving the time slot of the show and then especially then don't have um tv commercials to say hey the show moved to this time slot watch it here that's that's when the um, slick ways they try to kill a TV show, okay? Changing the time slots. It's unclear whether her decision to keep Arthur Duncan affected the show's fate, but it, it was repeatedly rescheduled for different time slots before quietly being taken off the air that same year. That's the same thing NBC did with um, A Different World, but also with the TV show Rock, which was a really powerful TV show once it got into later seasons and started dealing with social issues. The network changed the time slot of rock also. Now, Betty White went on to game shows, the talk show circuit, and eventually mega stardom as Rose Nyland, N-Y-L-U-N-D, on the 1986 sitcom uh, The Golden Girls. Arthur Duncan later toured with Bob Hope, and appeared on the Lawrence Welk show for nearly two decades. Man, you're going way back in the day, Lawrence Welk. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like during the time of, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Um, uh, the, um, the show with the Supremes and the Temptations on it. Um, the, hold on, there's another nighttime show. Ed Sullivan, the Ed Sullivan show. This is like back at the time of the Ed Sullivan show, right? <laughs> All right, now decades later in the documentary, Arthur Duncan, still in awe of Betty White, said she was just magnificent. Magnificent, he said. She was just magnificent. Okay, check out this uh, article here from the Washington Post. Live with it. Betty White defied racist demands in 1954. A lot of people remember when... Uh, um, Harry Belafonte was on the TV show with uh, he was on the uh, with Peggy Lee, 
I think he was on TV show with Peggy Lee and she touched, she touched his arm and, and white people in the South went crazy. Okay. It was, a, <laughs> uh, I think that was um, I think that uh, yeah I think that was Peggy Lee. All right now. Oh, is that Batula Clark? Let me see. Someone's one of the, one of those actresses, the singers. Uh, Belafonte controversy on how downtown she. Uh, okay, I think it was Petula Clark. All right. I think that was, yeah, it was Tula Clark. That's what it was. Vandy Fair has an article about this. And uh, actually, they have a video on YouTube. Uh, if you Google um, Harry Belafonte and Petula Clark. 50 years ago, a white woman touching a black man on TV caused a national commotion. They, they weren't naked. Okay, it's not like they were naked. All right. 50 years ago, a white woman touching a black man on TV caused a national commotion. But Tula Clark and Harry Belafonte, uh, remember, Tula Clark and Harry Belafonte remember a televised moment that inadvertently became a scandal and a civil rights cause. Uh, now, this is from April 2nd, 2018, which is two days before the anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King, which is April uh, 4th. And this was th this was uh, right around the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King also, which was April 4th, 1968. Harry, Bel Harry Belafonte and Petula Clark during their controversial performance uh, of on the path of glory in 1968. Okay. It kind of looked like they could be in star Wars with those outfits, <laughs> the, the, like the star Wars in 1977. Okay. So read this article here from vanity fair 50 years ago, a white woman touching a black man on TV caused the national commotion. All right. Now, uh, I want to go to, This uh, other article here. So this deals with the passing of uh, Max Julian, uh, the Mac. And a lot of people remember the movie, uh, the Mac, the black exploitation movie from 1973. And uh, I remember him more so from How to Be a Player, the movie How to Be a Player. 
with uh, Bill Bellamy. So Max Julian passed away January 1st, 2022, New Year's Day on his birthday. Max Julian, black exploitation icon and star of the Mac dies at 88. Now, this first story I saw about this was from um, TMZ. Okay, from TMZ. And TMZ has this piece also. Also read a, a story from um, blackamericaweb.com. TMZ has this story. Uh, Goldie from the Mac, Max Julian dead at 88. Well, if we look at this article here from uh, NBC News. The Mac has become the movie. The Mac has become one of the most prominent classics of the black exploitation era with hip hop and rap artists like Dr. Dre and Chief Keith sampling audio from the film. Now, this is from January 3rd, uh, updated January 3rd, 2022. Max Julian an actor best known for his lead performance in the 1973 black exploitation classic, The Mac, died on Saturday. He was 88 years old. An official cause of death at the time of this broadcast was not immediately available. Now, news of Max Julian's death was confirmed by his friend, comic book writer and filmmaker, David F. Walker. David Walker posted a tribute to uh, the late actor on his Instagram page. Uh, he said, I met uh, Max in 1996. He was a, a great human being and we had so many amazing conversations. He was brilliant and hilarious and charismatic. RIP, rest in peace. Now, Max Julian was also a member of uh, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. So I, I found out about that a few years ago. He was a member of Kappa Alpha Psi. But that information, Watch the Yard has a, a post about that also. He was a member of Kappa Alpha Psi. Watch the Yard.com uh, and on their Instagram page. Now, released in 1973, the movie The Mac co starring Max Julian and Richard Pryor. Uh, Max, Max Julian plays John Goldie Mix, Mickens, John Goldie Mickens, an ex-convict on a mission to make a name for himself by becoming uh, the biggest pimp in Oakland, California, teaming up with Richard Pryor's uh, character of Slim to build a criminal enterprise. The two find opposition in the black nationalist efforts headed by Goldie's brother, as well as from uh, racist law, enfor law enforcement figures. The movie The Mac has grown to become one of the most prominent classics of the black exploitation era with hip hop and rap artists like Dr. Dre and Chief Keith sampling audio from the film um, in their work. Now, we all know, now, so we all know that um, one of the problems with the black exploitation movies, even though 
it gave um role acting roles and prominence to many african-american actors and actresses was some of the negative depictions of pimps and prostitutes and drug dealers and drug addicts that some of the movies, not all of them, but some of the movies portray. And there was, in some of the movies, there was a subtext where there was an effort to fight against the drug dealers and fight against the drugs and fight, fight against the crooked, especially white police officers and fight against police brutality. We see that depicted in Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song with Melvin Van Peebles. Even, even in the movie Superfly with Ron O'Neill and Superfly, um, he's a drug dealer, but he wants to get out of the game. Okay. And he's dealing with the police he's and, and different things like this. He's, he's trying to get out of the game. Uh, so we, we see these different um, layers in these movies. There's another layer in the movie where in addition to fighting against police brutality, especially by white police officers, there was uh, like, if you watch a, a movie like uh, three, the hard way. Okay. Three, the hard way with um, Jim Brown and um, Fred Williamson. Okay, okay. But another context of the movies was when they had like the black action heroes, Jim Brown, Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly really didn't use guns a whole lot. But uh Fred Williamson and, and, and things like this. You notice their guns, they like their handguns were usually larger guns than the guns that the white guys had, than handguns that the white guys had. That was a little sub, there was a little subcontext there. All right. Of, of dominance and we know the gun can also be a metaphor for a phallus or a penis there was a a documentary that I saw a few years ago well, it was about 10 years ago now um, there's a documentary that I saw that deals with the whole black exploitation era and the interviews, some of the stars of that era. Um, what was the name of that? Oh, Matt hammered, slaughtered and shafted. That's the name of it. Oh, that's a, that's a hell of a documentary. You gotta watch this one. They they have it on. Okay, it's on Vimeo. Oh, it's by David F. Walker. Okay, David F. Walker is a friend of Max Julian. This this documentary right here, I watched this uh, a, a few years ago, and it really gets deep into understanding different themes that we saw represented in these black exploitation movies. Okay, fighting against police brutality, fighting against the drugs in the community. Another context that you see in the movie, uh, in the in various movies, is fighting against the mafia, fighting against organized crime. That's another context. It, it, that's another theme that you see in these movies. Um, there was there was one movie called Black Samson. I bought this. Um, 
I bought this uh, DVD. It's uh, it has three of Jim Kelly movies on it, um, Black Belt Jones and Hot Potato and something else. And then it has this movie called Black Samson. And Black Samson, I never heard of Black Samson. Black Samson was a was a movie that um, dealt with. It was this uh, night, this African American nightclub owner, and I think I think the mafia wanted his nightclub or something. I think the mafia wanted his club or something like that. He didn't want to sell it, and the mafia at the same time was putting putting drugs into the African American community. Okay, so um, there's a there's a scene where the uh, community rises up because the mafia is, is going to uh, kill him or something like this beat him up in the in the the community rises up and attacks the Italian mafia and runs them out of the runs them out of the neighborhood okay to to protect black samson so that's another theme that you see in uh a lot of these movies he is fighting against drugs fighting against organized crime fighting against the mafia uh police brutality, different things like this. Okay, hold on, let me pull this up here. So, there's this, I, I wanna go to, I wanna show you this, watch this documentary here, this will blow your mind. When I was doing, so I came across this documentary in doing research uh, back in, 2012 for is 10 years ago back in 2012 for a lecture series i did called uh the media's deliberate destruction of the african-american family and that's that's how i came across uh this documentary in, in doing research for that so this documentary is on vimeo it may also be on uh, YouTube, but check it out. It's called Macked, Hammered, Slaughtered, and Shafted. Okay, and it deals with the history of the black exploitation movies, written, directed, and produced by David Walker. Macked, Hammered, Slaughtered, and Shafted is an insightful examination. Let me see if we can. Uh, I have a Vimeo account. I'm about to download this and watch it again. It's an insightful examination of black of the black exploitation film movement of the 1970s, featuring interviews with key actors and filmmakers. The documentary explores the origins of black exploitation and the controversial history of Hollywood's most misunderstood genre. Okay, so check that out. And Ron O'Neill's in there. They have all of them. Tim Reed's in there. Fred Williamson. So in this one, they, they feature Jim Brown, Ron O'Neill, Fred Williamson, Fred Williamson, Jim Kelly, Gloria Hendry, Glenn Turman, um, who, who who was in Cooley High, but he was also in J.D.'s Revenge. And then he portrayed uh, Colonel Taylor on A Different World. They have Rudy Ray Moore in here and Roseanne uh, Catan and uh, uh many others as well how many people have ever heard of this documentary or seen it before 
It's a deep documentary. All right, now let me go back to this here. So I got to have to get out of here. I have a lot of work to do. How's everybody doing? Share this broadcast on your social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in as well. All right. So, uh, born January 1st, 1933 in Washington, D.C., uh, Max Julian began working as an actor in off-Broadway productions and, and Shakespeare in the park. Off-Broadway productions, he began working as, as an actor in off-Broadway productions and Shakespeare in the park. His first on-screen roles included Psych Out and Getting Straight. Max Julian also worked as a screenwriter and producer serving both roles and also starring in 1974's Western Thomasine and Bushrod, Bushrod, Thomasine and Bushrod. It was a Western. He served as screen, screenwriter and producer in this 1974 movie. He received an NAACP award nomination, NAACP award nomination for best writer of the year for his work on the film. Okay, not, not for the Mac, but for Thomasine and Bushrod. Bushrod. Now, Max Julian also wrote and co-produced the 1973 feature film Cleopatra Jones, starring Tamara Dobson, serving as creator, creator for one of the most enduring characters of the black exploitation era. Okay, he um, he wrote and co-produced the movie Cleopatra Jones. A lot of people didn't know this about Max Julian. He's also a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. I'm not going to hold that against them, though, but, you know. Beyond filmmaking, Max Julian also practiced as an author, poet, and sculptor. Okay, so he, he was, uh, I think he was, I personally, I think he was kind of typecasted because I remember there was an episode of, um, I just recently saw an episode of One-on-One, um, -on -one, Flex Alexander, my frat brother Flex, Five Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Uh, but uh, Flex Alexander, his show, One-on-One, uh, -on -one he had years ago. Um, there was an episode where Max Julian uh, played a doctor on the show, but there was this dream sequence where he was like um, a player. He he was like a player, uh, uh, something like that, the Mac player. Um, and then there was a, uh, the movie, uh, how to be a player. He was in there as well. So he was talented, but I think he was typecasted by Hollywood also. All right. So check out this article here from NBC news. Uh, Max Julian, black exploitation icon and star of the Mac dies at 88. And he was born in 1933. There was some discrepancy over um, his birth date or how old he was. The article from TMZ addresses that at the end of the article. Goldie, uh, Goldie from the Mac, Max Julian dead at 88. This is from uh, January 1st. There was, let's see, at the end here. 
Okay, Max Julian is survived by his wife, Arabella. He was 88 years old, despite what his, despite what his public birthday is listed as online. We've been assured Max Julian was born in 1933. All right, so look, the rest of this we'll get to tomorrow. We'll talk some more about John Canoe and the Igbo influence in this uh, African-American, African-Caribbean celebration of John Canoe, which is celebrated around Christmas time. Uh, be sure to register for the uh, online courses I teach on Saturdays and Sundays uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And then also ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. So we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. So next classes are this weekend. We usually do them 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, they're normally $130 each. We have a special bundle pack. You can register for both classes for only for only $70 for a very limited time only. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Click right here on register here. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content. And uh, you can watch the classes we just had this past weekend. We'll post a link here again. You can register for that. And then African-American business owners, uh, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Email us at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network. Uh, we'll take your 30-second to 60-second commercial, put into the rebroadcast of these shows. They also go into the audio podcast version of our shows as well. And um, uh, we have uh, low-cost ways to help promote your business, okay? Email us, ahnshow at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. A current promotion for a very limited time only is buy one month, get two months free. Okay, we have to get out of here. Remember the African History Network. We focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct your own behavior. We're here Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. to midnight, Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, the information is at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, right on the home page. Listen to audio podcasts, download the iHeartRadio app. We're on 10 different audio podcast platforms. iHeartRadio, CastBox, Blog Talk Radio, FM Player, TuneIn, Facebook Podcast. You can click right here on our website, listen to podcasts uh, also. Okay, remember, right now is correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Soul in Motion, celebrating 38 years in the arts. This energetic ensemble of dancers and drummers was started by percussionist Michael Friend and is led by choreographer, associate director Pam Lassiter. Based in the Washington, D.C. area, Soul in Motion is now accepting bookings for Black History Month, Juneteenth, and summer festivals in 2022. Soul in Motion is also available for more intimate events like naming ceremonies and weddings. To find out more or book your date, call 240-452-1349 or send an email to info at soulinmotion.org. 
Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Soul in Motion, celebrating our history, our culture, our future. Soul in Motion, theater, African dance, and drumming since 1984. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level, so sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese because, again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. It's time for the ghost LOXD block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWillie.com. Kwanzaa is coming and the KwanzaaShop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs. Order your Kwanzaa set today, which includes a Kanara, candles, a mat, a cup, the African-American flag, and a basket. Visit thekwanzashop.com, thekwanzashop.com. They have Kanara sets, which include a candle holder, candles, a mat, and a cup. Kwanzaa is December 26th through January the 1st. Add the early bird discount code for 10% off your order placed before November 28th. Visit thekwanzashop.com and place your order today. Thekwanzashop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs to celebrate this African-American Pan-African holiday. Thekwanzashop.com African Spirit Cards specialize in the design and printing of high-quality African-centered note cards and stationery. African Spirit Cards breathes and rejoices in the African and African-American experiences. They honor our African heritage and all that they do for you by proudly displaying the great motifs and ornamentations of the African world diaspora. They use African images, African proverbs, and many African languages to fully immerse their clients in the wisdom and history of and the connection to Africa. They understand the importance of having images around us that reflect who we are. 
These images also illustrate where we came from and what we desire to be. They are here to serve you. Follow them on Instagram at African Spirit Cards, that's African with a K. They have a wide selection. Check out their holiday selection at Etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash African Spirit Cards. That's Etsy, E-T-S-Y. You can give them a call at 313-995-3579, 313-995-3579. You can email them at Janelle Designs at AfricanSpiritCards.com. That's J-A-N-A-L Designs at AfricanSpiritCards.com and place your order today. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV, the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. Come and travel with me to a time long ago and place far away. You will experience high adventure and excitement. You are fighting alongside an ancient army in fierce battle. Feel the exhilaration of struggle and final conquest. My name is Maninkare and I am both a prince and a priest in one of the most advanced civilizations humans have ever produced. I want you to ride with me in my chariot as I slay the barbarians who have come to invade my land. I invite you to sit at the conference table with the great pharaoh Taharqa and his ministers as they plan intrigue and use subterfuge to outmaneuver and defeat the enemy. Come back with me to the land of your ancestors, to the beautiful land of Kemet. So open the pages of this book and begin the adventure. Find out what happens in the book, Maninkare Battles the Assyrians in the Nile Valley from author Makari Jones. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson. President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting, LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365, and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215 879-6701. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. 
Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted, empower yourself. Start your free trial today.